Hey guys, Tony Palo here from Equipping for Life. I am here. I'm here to help you. I'm here to equip you. I'm here to coach you. I'm here to empower you. I'm here to teach you tactical tools to overcome. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and we'll see you guys around. Genesis 37, 1 through 24. Getting into the word here, part two, part two, when you have a dream, there always seems to be a season of preparation. That's the part that we're going to talk about. God spoke to you. You have a word. But before that, the reality of that promise, there's always a season of preparation, which usually involves a valley or a storm or a, 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 a pit in this case. And so we're going to talk about what do we do during that season, during that time. Verse, 30, verse 1 of chapter 37 says this of Genesis. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a man, a young man of 17. How old was Joseph? 17 was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah. His father and his father's wives. So when you read his father's wives, first sign of dysfunction. We're going to see what they, what's, what, it's, this is going to hopefully kind of help us feel kind of like, oh, I feel so much better. You're going to see so much dysfunction in this family, but God still uses them. His father's wives and he, and he brought his father a bad report about his brothers. What do we call that when somebody like just kind of ta- snitch, tattletale, snitch. Snitches get stitches. And we're going to see that Joseph is going to be getting stitches in a little bit. So it's like, so he's, his, his dad has many wives. Joseph snitches on his brothers, tattletales. Now when Israel, who's also Jacob, says Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, another sign of not really a healthy family. Because he had been born to him in his old age, and his father made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that, they fought, that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated Joseph and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. So, so many times. This is like the second time they talk about hating Joseph. He said to them, listen. So he tells them this dream. Listen to this dream I had. We're binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheave of grain rose up and stood upright while your sheaves of grain around mine bowed down to it. So you get in the picture, right? Like if somebody says, hey, I have this dream that you're bowing down to me, you'd be like, all right, calm down. So Joseph then shares this dream to them. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And again, third time, they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he has another dream, and he's got the nerve to tell his brothers a second dream. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. So his father has a little bit of a problem. His father rebukes him and says, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow before you to the ground? 
His brothers were jealous out of him, of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. They were like, you know what, this guy's a little, Joseph's a little strange, but there's something there. Now his brothers had gone to graze the father's flocks near Shechem and Jacob, Israel, who said to Joseph, as you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I, will se- I am about to send you to them. Is somebody listening to me preach on their phone? I just heard it. <laughs> I'm right here, you can hear me preach. Very well, he said. So he said to them, go and see if all is well with your brothers and all the flocks. This was another time. What was this? There was another time that, that Jesse sends David, go check up on your brothers, right? And bring word to me. Then he sent them all off from the valley of Hebron. So Joseph arrives at Shechem. A man found him wandering around in the fields and asked, what are you looking for? He replied, I am looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They had moved on from here, the man answered. I heard, I heard them say, let's go to Dotham. So Joseph goes after his brothers. And then it says, and he finds them near Dotham. Now, when they see him walking in a distance before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Then Reuben heard this, who was one of the brothers. He tried to rescue them from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Do not shed any blood. Throw him into one of these cisterns here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and then take Joseph back to his father. When Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, okay, the ornate robe that he was wearing, and took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty, for there was no water in it. Today, today we're talking about God has assigned and ascribed promise to you. You have a word. You have a dream. You have this heaviness of destiny on your life. God has a plan for your life. But we're talking about the season of darkness that you have to face. So Joseph has this dream that one day he's going to end up in a palace. Issue is not the palace. The issue is the pit. And it's not you being in the pit. It's how you're responding to being in the pit. So the preparation is how you respond to the wearing of the robe. So the father puts this robe on Joseph almost like, and God will often do that. Before you experience the promise, let's see how you're doing with the robe now. So the reality, the purpose of the reality of the darkness is we want to see how you act when you are about to become the person you are. There's a plan assigned to you, the plan of God. But try this on as a dress rehearsal. We want to see how you respond to the anointing of that next season. We want to see how you respond to that blessing and that favor after the breakthrough. The breakthrough hasn't come yet, but we want to see how you respond before the breakthrough. And you know what? If you can't handle running on the treadmill, you're not going to handle running on the track. It's a whole dynamic and the dilemma of the now and the not yet. The now, the not yet, and it's like, God, I want the not yet to happen, but be a good steward of the right now. If you can't handle the the anointing of the right now, how are you going to handle the anointing of the not yet? 
It's really checking your attitude through this. And you know what? I was reading this, and I'm reading different commentators, Mike, and the commentator's like, yeah, we really can't blame Joseph for anything, man. He was a man of patience, a kind man. They compare him to a lot of things he went through. We're comparing him to Jesus. And, but I find fault in him. He was a brat. Like, just because you have the robe doesn't mean you're going to wear it now. So if we're around Joseph and you see Jacob give Joseph the coat, I'd be like, Joseph, put it away. Bring it to the cleaners. They'll take care of it. You know how many people put their dresses in the cleaners? They just stay there for years. Just put, put that robe in the cleaners. They'll preserve it. So it's not about the promise. It's about the process. If you can't handle the treadmill, this is a dress rehearsal. This is just practice. This is just a dry run. If you can't handle the now, how are you going to handle the not yet? I want you to think about David, who was anointed three times. And every time he was anointed, it was always in the presence of somebody. It was always in the presence of community. Now, David was anointed in the presence of his brothers who hated him. Wow. If, when God decides to promote you, it seems to be always around people that just don't like you. Facts. Now, I know you, some people are like, I don't care. I know who you are. I do, you could speak about me. I know who you are on Facebook. And you know about blah, blah, blah. But they can't read it anyway because you blocked them. So it's like, you know what? Forget, forget. We hear it. It's like, just forget those. Focus on promise. Don't get so sidetracked about what people say about you. Don't get so sidetracked. And the first time David was anointed, he was 14 years old. And the Bible says after he was anointed the first time in front, of the, in front of his brothers, in front of his father Jesse, in front of the community. You know what David did? After they said, this is the next king, David goes back into the field to be the shepherd of the sheep. He came onto the scene not smelling like a king. He came onto the scene stinking like sheep. And after he was anointed, what did he do? He went back to be a good steward of the right now. Master the right now. Now, throughout scripture here, we see, we can see this as the enemy throwing Joseph into the pit. But once the enemy throws you into the pit, the true enemy is not the enemy. The true enemy is me. It's my thoughts. It's my process. It's, it's not about being in the pit, but it's about my perspective here. And it's about those dark seasons. Now, here's, we're reading this. Joseph was spoiled he wasn't wise his mom was the favorite wife his his he was the favorite son now this is my notion when you're declared as a favored or favorite it shows up in your behavior god is the only father that could have all of us as his favorite so when we say i walk in the favor of god you know what that means i'm his favorite so everybody say i'm his favorite not everybody said it. Don't make me walk to you. I'm, I know some of you have no problem. Maybe those of you shouldn't say it. I'm his favorite. That's what it means when you walk in the favor of the Lord. So Joseph, he knows he was his favorite. That showed up in his behavior. So when he was given the robe, guess what? He tried, he's like, we would have said, put it in the attic, bro. Put it in your closet. Put one of those plastic things they usually give you at the cleaners and just forget it's there. Because it's not the promise that's the focus. It's the process that's the focus. So let's look at here. Talk about the promise. Talk about, let's, you know what, let's get a name. Pastor Donovan, come on, let's get a name up here. Man, 
Everybody's nervous. Shake it up. Should I pick it? Oh, wait, we should put that one back. Say yeah? Okay, well, this person, please come to the pulpit really quick right now. Get your Bible ready. Angel, come on up. You're the next contestant of the prices. The preaching's right. Amen, amen. So, thanks. All right, so my, the two verses that I came up with that the Lord put in my heart was verse 23 and 24. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into the pit, and the pit was empty. The word that came out was cast. So, you know, when we are born, the enemy has a plan. The enemy has a plan to strip you of what God has for you. And he strips it away, and he wants to just destroy you because his plan is to bring him down to hell. Because he knows he's all done. He's like, you know what? I'm going to lose this battle, but you know what? You love these people too much, so I'm going to take them with me. So, they, so he, that's his plan, but God has a better plan. So when I was reading this, it popped out. The word cast means to force. So he will force you. He would put, throw things in your face. He would, he would throw anxiety. He would throw stress. Where sometimes you want to medicate yourself or even act like, you know, I can handle this on my own. When Jesus is like, yo, I'm right here. I'm right here. You know what I'm saying? And we will ignore that. So the blessing doesn't come. So when I saw that, I was like, wow, Lord, like that is so true. Now the casting, when they threw Joseph down, I had associated that with an empty manger. It was an empty pit that they took Joseph, threw him in there, and left him there because Satan had a plan for him, right? So he thought. But Jesus, when he was born, he was born in an empty manger. It was humble beginnings. And for us, it's humble beginnings. We have to bless. We have to allow ourselves to be humbled and broken down and go through the process. Because nobody wants to go through the process. To go through the process and allow God to really rise us up. When God rises up, he gets the glory and nothing can break us. Nothing can, can shake us down and say, I don't think so. Amen. Now, the beauty of this whole process, we know the ending, right? Joseph had, had, had another dream with the family. Uh, no, the baker, I guess, had a dream. And, and Joseph translated it, right? It was the famine, the seven years of famine, the seven years of prosperity. And, then, and so Jesus, when he came, God had a plan for him. He was to save us. Now, Joseph not only saved the Jewish people, but he saved the Egyptians. The Egyptians represents us as a Gentile. See, when Christ died, there was that argument, right? Like, you know, Peter and Paul, like, yo, now nah, this is for the Jew. Now nah, this is for the Gentile. It was for all of us. Us as a Gentile, we have been adopted under the blood of Christ for our salvation. So... When you're going through it, allow the process to really take its toe and edify you because God has a bigger plan for you. And the plan is to prosper you. The plan is to bless you. And as our, and as our pastor says, the plan is to give you a, a brighter future. Amen. Man, come on now. Wow. He was sharing with me what he was going to share. I was like, you don't tell me anymore because I'm going to steal it. 
Angel be dropping some jams. Wow. That's good stuff right there. The empty, the pit. The empty manger, powerful right there. And Jesus, Joseph is considered symbolically as a type of Jesus in the Old Testament, also having to go through the process. But one thing, you talked about Jesus and Joseph. Joseph turned 30 when his, at his ministry actually began, which is the ministry of a priest. When did the ministry of Jesus take place? 30, which is a ministry of a priest. There's an impact here. So let's go on. Excellent job. Can we say thank you, angel? So the message here, the gem that touched my heart was linking up with Jesus, that God had a plan, but he had to start from a place of humility, a place of brokenness. Excellent, um, Angel. I'm proud of you, buddy. Really am. Thank you. Thank you. Genesis 37, 2. Joseph brought his father. This is how, and I, and I mentioned this scripture. I love this. Joseph brought his father all the tales about his brothers. Because one version says, oh, he brought him stories, but the original language is like literally he was a tattletale. Okay, so that's pretty much what convinces us that Joseph was just unwise. And I know we're not supposed to call our children, you're acting like a brat or you're a brat, but Joseph was a brat. Right, Mike, Pastor Mike, never call your children brats. It's not very nice. But Joseph here was doing something that was just... Don't do that, Joseph. Don't tattle on your, on, your, on your brothers. And now we go into verse 3. Now Israel, or Jacob, loved Joseph more than his other sons. And he makes him an ornate robe for him. Now, I don't know if you know something about this robe, but this robe was only worn by royalty. By kings, by their sons. And so this robe was very long and cumbersome, long sleeves. It was beautiful. It was amazing. It, it, was, it brought the show in, but it just wasn't practical. You didn't wear it to work, which was the point, because if you're royalty, you didn't work. So now Joseph puts his coat on, and all of his brothers sees it. And you see numerous times throughout uh, chapter 37, they hated him, they hated him even more. They hated him all the more. And you know why? They hated him so much that it drove them to talk about murder. We think about who? Cain and Abel. Okay. You know that the family has an issue when brother, one brother murders another brother out of hatred. And now the New Testament talks about hatred. So in the Old Testament, it says if, you're, if you murder your brother, you're a murderer. The New Testament says if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. So we're up in the ante now in the New Testament here that this whole process is, is identified around them hating Joseph. Which if someone dislikes you, don't share your dreams with them. It's, I think that's very practical advice. If somebody doesn't, you know, maybe they don't hate you. Maybe they just don't understand what God is doing in your life. And if they don't understand what God is doing in life, why would you share a supernatural story with them? And my wife and I, just this weekend, we're sharing, how's the church going? And we share all the God moments. And some people are like, oh, that's nice. You're calling the supernatural nice? There are things, let's take Mary in the New Testament as an example, who is 13 years old. And an angel appears to her and says, listen, you're about to give birth to a boy who's going to save the entire world. The Bible says that Mary pondered these things in her heart. David was anointed the first time. Now, if you're, if you're anointed as in North Providence, let's say you're prophesied and anointed to be the next governor of Rhode Island. You'd be like, yeah, call me governor right now. Give me the title. 
But this is it. You can't, if you can't handle the title, how can you handle the promise? We'll take the title back. We want to see. I mean, put this coat on. And just because you've been given, just because you've been given a dream doesn't mean it's time. It's the waiting period that often has me stuck. Process, as the angel says. It's that process that it's like some people look, they look at the people who graduated from the preaching school, they look at people who come up, they look at me and they go, Wow, I want that. You may want that, but you don't want what I went to to get it. And I said this last week, if I throw you the keys, duck. <laughs> and, and we always elevate people. We're like, I wish I was like him. I wish I was like, I want her story. I want her testimony. Oh, no, you don't. You don't want that test. So the problem here is that even before the dream, you feel like there's an assignment on your life. But being unwise, being a brat like Joseph will get you into trouble. So you, you've been identified as a recipient of promise. And instead of making yourself a small target, Joseph makes himself a big target. Now Joseph, I'm thinking, is Joseph that naive to not know that his brothers hated him? If you walk in, let me tell you something. I, I, I encourage you to hang around with people that celebrate the God dreams in you. Why I don't know why you keep walking into rooms of people that hate you, the people that just dislike you, the people that gossip about you. And you know, you have to get over the fact that you're trying to be liked. It's not important to be liked when you are loved. Why are you trying to be approved? Why are you trying to prove yourself? You're trying to, I don't prove myself when I've been approved. I don't have to prove myself. So Joseph puts his robe on. He's like, yeah, look at me. Basically shows it off. He wants, he, he puts the robe on. He's yearning for recognition. Somebody please notice me. Please, my giftings, call me by my prop. Call me by my proper title. I am prophet so-and-so. Sometimes I go, hey, Mike. I'll go, oh, Pastor Mike. He said, I'm, we're not tripped up. If somebody says, hey, Tony, people go, you shouldn't let them call you Tony. He's Pastor Tony. I'm like, I know. There's people dying in Ukraine. That's kind of more important for me. We want to see. We wanna, we're going to put this robe on you, and we're going to see how you act. We're going to give you, we're going to get, and this is why we don't give titles. We give assignments first. The assignment first comes. The assignment comes first. Then maybe titles aren't important, but we want to see how you handle the assignment here. We want to see how you handle a dream. And if you're having, first of all, if you have a dream where other people bowing before you, you shouldn't, don't even share it with me. <laughs> and surround yourself with people that will be interested in your dreams. In a, in a church this size that we're led by the Spirit and we have the anointing in our lives, if somebody shares with you a dream, and, and don't say things like, oh, you must have eaten an onion bagel. Take a moment and say, wow, what is God speaking to you at that moment? What do you think that dream means? What is God speaking to you? And then there are times, it, 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 the Lord convicted me several years back, and he would constantly give me dreams, and I'm like, Lord... Why are you giving me so many dreams, you know? He says, because you're too busy during the day. I'm trying to get your attention. And the only time you're not busy is when you're sleeping. And it's true. When you're sleeping, you're not busy. I never thought about it that way. So when God continues to give you dreams, surround you, put yourself in a small group, group of dream interpreters. Come on now. Whoa. And some of you have that anointing and you don't even know that. Let me speak that out. 
Some of you are like, wow, I have the interpretation. I'm a sh- I'm, Michelle, I'm afraid to share it. Oh, man. Let me just. But if you're close, if you're close with them in relationship, you know what? They already think you're weird. Just release it. Just say, listen, <laughs> I have this. I, ha- I feel like I have the interpretation. Right, Diane? It's like, it's like, man, I feel like. So I, I want you to start w- hearing a dream. If you have a dream, I want you to share it with somebody who's close. So share it with somebody who's in leadership and, tr- and try it out. Because God does speak. Sometimes it's the onion bagel. Sometimes it's the pizza with pineapple on it. I don't know who would do that. But oftentimes it's the spirit of the Lord trying to speak to you. I want you to listen to the voice of the Lord. So Joseph has a dream in verse 5, 37.5. This is what he says. Joseph had a dream. He told his brothers... And they hated him even more. Does it make sense if someone doesn't, hate is a strong word. I don't think anybody in the world hates me. I don't know. I don't think I have enemies. But there's probably like one person in the seven billion people that may not like me. (laughs) Does that make sense? So there's going to be people who don't like you. You, you have the favor of God. The goal is to attempt to be at peace with all men. But doing something like this is just unwise. If someone doesn't like you, if someone doesn't have the same mind or spirit, don't share what God has given you. Okay? Like, I would ask Joseph, Joseph, like, just because you had a dream doesn't mean it's time. You have this promise on your life. You have this assignment on your life. Okay, I get it. But there's, oh, there seems to be now always a waiting period, a season of preparation when God releases something in your life. A dream is for the future. If it was for the right now, it would have been a prophetic word. It would have been a right now word. But just because God, just because someone put a robe on you doesn't mean let's wear it for the right now. There's always a season. And for me now, every time I feel like God's about to do something big, I know that there's a season of preparation for me. You want, and I'm going to share. You, can I be honest with you? Thank you. So there's always season. My season is very personal to me because it usually involves. Now, I've been, I've been able to understand these seasons that I go through and make them now short instead of big. Years ago, I would be stuck in this, these seasons of discouragement because I'm like, I know I got a word. What am I doing in the pit? Sometimes the promise and your environment doesn't match up. I, kn- I know. I know. It's like, and you have these dreams that you share with two people, maybe your spouse and a, and a close friend. And, and I know I have this word. But when I have a promise and I'm, my circumstances is dip- are difficult, guess what I'm going to go with? The promise. Always go for the always go for the promise. So for me, my seasons of discouragement were always like long, and I'm like, God, what happened? I don't know, God. Like you gave me a dream, you gave me a promise. What's going on here, Lord? Now I can identify it as okay. I'm gonna find things. Yea, though I walk through, I'm not. This is not permanent. This temporary difficult experience. I am learning permanent, eternal values through these temporary, difficult seasons so that when I'm walking through these dark seasons, guess what I do? I'm picking up things that the Lord is leaving me for me. 
Things that normally don't happen or occur on the top of a mountain. These difficult seasons, I'm picking things up. And then when I get out, I'm like, wow, God, I collect all these valuable revelations and, and, and all these beautiful things. I had somebody tell me one time, I said, you know what, Pastor? Every time I go through a valley, I'm always laughing and happy. I'm like, you're weird. You have to be, you, you have to be able to pay attention to your feelings and emotions because it's during this season now, Joseph was thrown in the pit. The brothers, the enemy threw him in the pit. And what did the brothers do? They went to eat. So once the enemy got you stuck, he comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't go after destroying you first. You ain't that important. He, he's going to try to steal from you. If you could steal your fire, if you could steal your passion, if you can keep you stuck in discouragement, if you can keep you stuck in anxiety, if he can just keep you stuck, he doesn't have to try to kill you or destroy you. So the brothers threw him in the pit, and what did they do? He's not a danger any longer. Let's eat. No problem. So then they say, let's see what becomes of his dreams, which really is not very personal because they don't realize that those dreams that Joseph had weren't from Joseph. The author of those dreams are in Joseph. The author of those dreams are God. So don't take it personal when the enemy comes to attack you. Because it's not about you, but it's about the fact that your life is a platform for the goodness of God. He just wants to destroy the platform that's in you. He just wants to destroy the anointing that's in you. Don't take it personal. Don't melt. Don't have a fit. It's not about you. It's the power of God in you. So the enemy will throw you in the pit, and guess what? He'll eat. That's, that's some nerve. That is some nerve. Let's go. Like, this was hard work. To, to, get, to, get, to get James stuck was hard work. I'm hungry now. Doesn't have to kill you. Doesn't have to destroy you. He doesn't even care if you make it to heaven as long as you experience hell on earth. Steal. So when you're in that season of dark time, for me at least, I often find that Satan's not my enemy at that moment. Me is my enemy. Oh no, I'm my enemy. <laughs> Sorry, English teachers. I am the enemy. Oh, we got some grammar. We got some grammar police in the house. Um, I'm the biggest enemy because guess what? My enemy's eating. And the boy voices that I'm hearing is, you ever hear voices? It's okay, raise your hand a little bit. <laughs> Nobody? I don't hear voices either. I remember when I took, I went to a part of my sabbatical several years ago. I went um, way up in New Hampshire, somewhere close to Canada, and, and I didn't really want to do it. Got a tent, sleeping bag. And I, I went so far up north, no cell phone coverage, nothing. Lap, uh, Wi-Fi, nothing. And so I, and I felt like the Lord wanted me to do this. And I, and I, and I took it from a little snip, snippet from an MMA fighter who said, it was Joe Rogan. He said, this is what I do. I have this chamber in one room in my house that's soundproof. It's completely dark. I hear nothing. And it's this chamber of salt water. I, I just lay back in salt water. Covers everything except my breathing my mouth and my nose, and he says, I hear nothing, I see nothing. Then he says, what begins to happen is I start having these crazy thoughts, which are my thoughts. Because when you put yourself in a place of solitude where nobody is giving you accolades, Linda, you're amazing. Thank you so much for your hard work. We appreciate it. Pastor Mike, you're the best, man. Pastor Mike's a right. He can do everything, man. When you don't have any of that, guess what surfaces? You. You. And guess what the enemy's doing? Eating. Devil, I rebuke you. 
I'm having spaghetti and meatballs here. I don't know what you're talking about. I already stole from you. You could just accuse me of doing that, and it's worked. So I'm not going to even bother with you anymore. Why are you so dangerous? You're dangerous because all of Creator God is jam-packed inside of you. If you weren't saved, you wouldn't really be a bother. You wouldn't be a bother at all. So I go to New Hampshire for like four days. I hear nothing. I'm, I'm like, what am I doing here, Jesus? I brought my favorite pillow. That was it. I brought my Bible. How many of you have a favorite? Be honest. Come on. I see a moose. I look at him. He looks at me. Moose. Right? And then for four days, I start in my mind going, I don't like myself very much. Because I didn't have the accolades. I didn't. Lights, camera, action. I didn't have any of that, Trenton. And I don't even think the devil goes up that far north. Guess who I had? I had my thoughts. Polar bear. I, so where I was, if you drew a straight line, like Alaska's like right up here. And so then what I do after third or, third or fourth day, I open up the Bible. Now I couldn't go on my Bible app and look up stuff and you know, do a quick tour guide approach to the Bible. I had a mine for this. I had to be a miner. And I looked up every scripture having to do with the grace of God. And God revisited me at that moment that my biggest enemy wasn't Satan. See, Satan was taken care of at the cross. You know what still has to be taken care of at the cross? Tony Palo. Jesus was crucified, took the keys of death and hell away. I got to work on me. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling every single day. So Joseph has these dreams, and they're like, time out, chill, relax. We're going to put you in the pit just for a little bit. And now when, when before, but Joseph is walking to his brothers, and his brothers see him afar off. <laughs> Guess what Joseph was wearing? Because remember, it was very cumbersome. Because when you're wearing the robe, you don't walk around a lot. You don't walk around a lot. The robe is designed to get up from a chair, wave, and then sit back down. Joseph is walking with a robe on. His brothers see him afar off, and they start talking about him afar off. See, when you have a dream, when you have a promise, what are people saying about you from afar off? Because sometimes I walk into a room and I go, I know what he's thinking. He don't like me. And you know what I do? I come over around here because I know Linda and Mike like me. And I know we're like, we want to hang around with people. It's much more than that. It's people that can connect in the spiritual realm who say, you and I dream the same. You and I kind of, we, we, we're going to do this. When You know, hang, resist people that want to build a tower with you. Let's build a tower of Babel, Pastor Mike. No, let's not do that. Help me with this jacket. Help me with this robe. I got it. And Pastor Mike says, don't do that either. Hang around with people that are more interested in building your character than making you comfortable. Sometimes a good, be, some, sometimes, don't look at them now. Some of you need to be thrown in the pit. I'll throw you a peanut butter sandwich every once in a while. You'll be good. But man, nothing. <laughs> Juice box. Here's the deal. You're thrown in the pit. Satan's not your enemy. He's eating. 
Your enemy is your own thoughts. Like, think about what you think about when you go through a storm. Think about your process as you're going through a dark moment. Don't build equity during those temporary dark seasons. Some people just want to make it permanent. You know, and the key thing about this, the scripture here says, it says that this cistern was empty and dry. And it's so important because the cisterns in Dolphin, which is where they were, were always flourishing. There was always slow leaks from the nearby wells that would just provide fresh water. This well was completely dry. And it's almost like we got to make sure that if God moves you into a season of discomfort, that you don't get too comfortable. Does that make sense? Because sometimes we want to build equity there. And 20 years later, it's like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm struggling. Praise God. Don't praise God and struggle for 30 years. I'm blessed. That's not blessed. You're stuck. The lady in Ohio, every time I'd ask her, how are you doing? She goes, oh, I'm not making do. She kept saying that. After a while, I was like, stop saying that. It's disgusting. (laughs) Don't build equity in the pit. If you're in a season of darkness, and, and it doesn't really matter because somebody threw you in there. It doesn't matter if your own decisions got you there. It doesn't matter if, if you were unwise. It doesn't matter if you show, decide to show off the coat. It, but in the season that you're in, just because you have a dream doesn't mean it's time. You say, oh, Pastor Tony, you don't understand. It's been a while. What's a while? 20 years, 30 years? Should I break out the scripture of days like a 1,000 years? What I do is I say, okay, so you've been in this for 20 years. If a day is like a 1,000 years... How much is 20 years? <laughs> thousands of thousands of years. So don't, don't force your calendar on God. When there's a promise ascribed to your life, you know what you do? You got to take your watch off because this is a different time zone. And you got to stop being spiritually jet lagged and get in the time zone of the Holy Spirit. And so Joseph now, I, I mean, he was very naive. They said, let's see what become of his dreams. And they didn't say, let's see what become of Joseph. They were attacking not him, but his dreams. The enemy's not after you. He's after the power of promise that is inside of you. They did not realize that these dreams weren't Joseph's. But Joseph was a favorite. And when you are favored by God, it's critical that you live like you are favored by God and filled with possibilities. So Joseph is favored. When you are favored by God, what, it's, what is it supposed to do? Change your posture. It's supposed to, but now some people, you call it confidence, confidence, whatever you call it. Some people accuse you of having an ego. Well, maybe a little bit is ego, to be honest, but most of it is walking in the favor of the Lord here. Why are there so many promises given to us regarding overcoming the enemy? Don't focus so much now. On, oh, the enemy this, the enemy is attacking me, the spirit of this is attacking me, the spirit of that. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There's so many promises. No weapon formed against you will prosper. But the enemy will always catch you at the beginning phases of what God wants to do. Talking about what angels said. With, the, with, with Jesus at the, uh, uh, at the manger. When did, when did that King Nebuchadnezzar try to take Jesus out? When he was on the two. We're going to take him out. We're going to take him out when they are most dangerous. 
at the infancy stage because that's when the seed grows. You see, children, you say, wow, you're growing so quick. But what about Moses? When the Pharaoh made the declaration, anybody under two, any boy under two, he said, we're going to take him out. We don't know who he is. We don't know who you, see, this is why it's not even important. The enemy, the, the enemy doesn't have to even know you, the fact that there's promise assigned to you. I don't even know who he is. Just take everybody out who's under two. So if somebody wants to break into your house, wouldn't you be like, give me a pipe. Yeah, one guy. Yeah, be honest. Okay, that too. Lady. <laughs> Sell the good stuff on Amazon, man. We always got this plan of like, if, if I hear a noise, and sometimes I'm so tired of hearing noise, I'm like, let them take whatever they want. <laughs> oh, Lord, protect my daughters. My wife's with me. So whose who's room is closer to the door? Abby's in the basement. Protect Abby. <laughs> but oftentimes I'm like, hold on. Don't kind of McGregor walk. <laughs> but why is it when the enemy comes at us, we're like, I'm melting, Pastor, pray for me. I'm going to fall over. Um, oh. He's not your real enemy. He was taken care of at the cross. The one that's still in process is, and you. That's the real enemy. That typically comes out when we're in situations that are just not so nice. Because then we have a lot of questions. Uh, do me a favor. Stop asking why. God, why? And I say that because he's never answered my why. So I stopped yesterday. Asking why. <laughs> but you know what I do? You know what I, I, I switched it because I was like, because you know what? When you live your life by revelation, you're okay with unanswered questions. I live my life by revelation and have a whole lot of questions. The first thing I'm going to ask God when I get to heaven, I'm like, you're not going to ask him anything because you're going to get to heaven, you're going right. to fall on your face. I'm going to get my crown. When you live your life by who Christ is and how he's revealed himself to you, where? Not in the palace. We see that Joseph learned his lessons, not in the palace. He's learned his lessons where? In the pit. And then he made use of the lessons he got in the pit in the palace. Wow, why is he so filled with wisdom and smart? Because he had a crash course with surprise quizzes in the pit. And for the most part, he passed. He did some unwise things. He wore a robe when it wasn't his time. But it's critical that you live your life when you're favored and filled with possibilities. And this is why I say to you every week, your, life, your future is bright. I speak that into your spirit. But the enemy will always come at you in a way to destroy what you've been designed to accomplish. The enemy, but you have, if that same spirit that gave Jesus CPR lives inside of you, the devil doesn't really know who he's messing with. So the cistern that has nothing in it, we were like, you know what, let's bring him into a season where there are no resources. Because if there was water flowing, hey, how you doing out there? I'm doing okay. There's plenty of fresh water. Somebody threw me a juice box. But if you have nothing, guess what? You are forced to go, 
God, please, I need you. This whole thing of God will never give me more than I could handle, it's complete nonsense. It's not biblical. Because if you had just about what you could handle, you wouldn't reach out to God. So this cistern, the cisterns in Dolphin that are usually filled with springs, this one has nothing. Forcing Joseph to confront himself. Allowing the Spirit of God to confront him. So these tests are designed to expose weaknesses and reveal power. All the while, the enemy's eaten. He don't want none of that. Oh, the enemy stole my joy. No, he didn't. What is he going to do with it? The enemy's just busy doing his thing. Because he knows, if he knows that you could, he could steal your joy by you being entrapped by your own thoughts. So let's consider some of the thoughts that have trapped me and you. For me, I'm no longer trapped by discouragement. I face it, but I'm like, got a plan here. Get out of the way. Thank you. So I use my feelings and emotions that often become my enemy. What causes my feelings and emotions to become my enemy? So your feelings or emotions are, are I know about six months ago, I was thinking about, I was like, God don't care about your feelings and emotions. But that was another sermon. God does care about your feelings and emotions. Because they tell you something's up. They tell you something's wrong. And, and sometimes they tell you that what's wrong is, is not anything happening on the outside. It's you. The storm sometimes is not. The storm maybe is you. God, get rid of this storm. He wouldn't do that because he'd have to get rid of you. So you're in this pit. The enemy, all these thoughts. This gentleman now, he's, he's in this chamber that's completely dark he can't hear anything can't see anything he says i began to think my thoughts and it scared me and he says i got rid of it because it was scary my sabbatical i was like for four days i was like i didn't like myself and then i opened up scripture and thought about grace god's grace on my life and then it was at that point in time where god gave me the real revelation of because i have different titles i'm husband father son pastor I'm all but the title that really made sense to me that was the least stressful and it carried the less least amount of burden was son of God child I'm his kid I'm his kid then I was like that was like oh cool that's cool God's my father he's it always makes me feel uncomfortable when I hear somebody praying daddy daddy I'm like ooh <laughs> don't do that and I but, you know, we often say, oh, don't do that because we have our own issues with our earthly fathers. When we hear somebody calling God daddy, I'm like, you're strange. But the revelation of the fact that you are his kid, you're his son, you're his daughter. And so I remember several years ago, Danny got his, uh, started working at a church in Stamford, Connecticut. And I know the pastor there. I've known him for years. And so he comes to me before he, and he says, listen, I'm looking for a youth pastor and and." I'm, I'm like, really, I need one now. I'm like, oh, my son, he's looking for a youth pastor position. He goes, he's hired. I'm like, but you don't know him. He's no, he's your son, he's hired. The fact that he's my kid based on my name. Now, I want you to say it's not about me, but it's about the father. He got the job just because, oh, my son. Oh, I didn't even meet him. Get him in here. So I said, you got to interview him. So at the time, he lived two hours away. He said, I'll call him. What's that? The next day, he calls him, drives up, meets him in a cafe. 
good, hire on the spot. Just like that. See, when, when you have the revelation that God is your father, there is no pit. There is no demon. There is no stronghold. There is no devil in hell that's going to convince you otherwise. God's got me. And when God's got me, I'm good. I'm, I'm just going to walk in faith. Why walk by faith, not by sight? So who's your dad? He's your father. You're in the pit. You're in that darkness. You're discouraged, depressed, filled with anxiety because that's kind of the feelings you would feel when you're in a pit. Depressed, anxiety, discouraged. All these negative emotions. Find God in that season of preparation. I'm being prepared. I'm, being, I'm in training. I'm being tested. And I want to pass this test. That is it. You can't study for it. <laughs> Often these tests come and they're pop quizzes. That's it. This is your season of preparation. Take a deep breath. This is only a test. This is only a test. Everything's going to be okay. If God be for you, who can be against you? The fact that, Sa the fact that Satan is not my enemy in some ways, because I have more authority over him than I do over me. I can just rebuke him and bind him and he's gone. Me, I'd be like, I feel like I'm in a battle on a boxing match for my own thoughts being in this season of darkness. Embrace the season. And Paul says, consider it all pure joy when you walk through these trials and tribulations. Come on, one day you're going to be rescued. Now, I'm not going to go into the sermon next week. This is next week's sermon. Joseph is pulled out. But not his version of being rescued and being pulled out of a pit. But if you're, if you're in that dark season of anxiety, depression, discouragement. See, for me, I've learned how to make those seasons of discouragement very short. That. Because I know it's not the devil. It's me. The devil's eating. I know it's me. So I'm like, I know this is me. I'm a man of faith. I have, I have vision for the promise. The part that I struggle with is trust. And that's the process. This is the trust part. I'm a man. I know it's going to happen. I just don't know how. And that's the part I have trouble with. And that's the part I have to overcome. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will direct your paths to the, to the palace. Let's stand. Give Jesus a hand this morning. I want you to say, Father, I am thankful for this moment if you are here today and I got to tell you I want you to hallelujah I want you to walk free free